Welcome to the Why God Why podcast, brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival, and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Engler, the Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today, we have our guest, John Ganan. He's the Director of Youth Alive, and we're talking about why am I so embarrassed to talk about my faith? Well, Peter, I think this is a a really great question because I think a lot of people are, they struggle with this concept. I talk with college students a lot and, you know, we'll get into conversations about their spiritual background or where they're coming from. And it's a weird thing. Almost every time I'm done talking with somebody about like their spiritual background, what they believe afterwards, after taking time to listen to them. It's it's almost uncanny now. People will actually say thank you for actually engaging in this conversation with me because I don't ever have these conversations with my friends. And so um, I just think that's the norm now. And I think it's a good thing that we're able to discuss that here on today's uh, show. Peter, what do you think? Thanks, John. This is another one of our coronavirus episodes. So um sharing our faith has changed a lot. And I uh, just want to thank all of you for your, your patience. Um, I'm currently trying to watch my daughter and interview a podcast. So if we have some fun, we will. And, um, you know, I think about sharing our faith and I think of what John brings. I think we treat it as if we're learning a completely other language when it's actually something that Jesus talked about being very natural and the way that Jesus talks about sharing faith, it isn't sales-ish, it isn't anxious, it's actually caring for people in a way. So I'm really excited to talk to John and um, just see where, where we can go. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks, Peter. Thanks, guys. John, John and Peter, good to see you guys. Dylan as well. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you with us. Now, just so the everybody knows, this we're just going to let everybody behind the curtain of the Why God Why podcast right now. This episode was actually recorded already, but it got lost in the ethers of space. I don't know where these things get lost, but somehow it's out there somewhere already recorded. But we were going back to it, returning to this conversation, and I'm sure it's going to be even better the second time. It's kind of like lasagna after it sits in the fridge for a little bit. It's even better the the, the next day. So I'm sure that's what this conversation is going to end up being. So thanks for joining us again, John, to talk about that. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Just part of the coronavirus, you know, chronicles where we want to chronicle every part of this year. I so, do like lasagna the next day as well. So yeah, for sure. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, so, uh, yeah. So, so, see, this is, this is part of, this is real stuff, people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John, let's, uh, John Ganan, let's get started. You know, before we talk about you sharing faith and stuff like that, why don't you talk about your process of how you came to know Jesus? Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up at, uh, grew up, um, in church. Um, you know, my family was pretty committed as uh, when I was a kid. So I, I got there pretty often, got to know, um, a, a pretty, um, I think pretty thriving church body growing up, had some great relationships growing up in, in the church. Uh, uh, 
in, in central New York. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, pretty, pretty much enjoyed every, every step of the way through that experience, you know, from kids church to, you know, youth group. And I think it was about age 12 where I, I gave my life to Christ kind of in a, a moment, kind of that vision of, you know, commitment, uh, baptized not long after that, uh, had a little bit of a, kind of a dark, confusing moment, you know, just as I was leaving high school, wasn't quite sure, uh, where that would lead, felt pretty, um, anxious about the future and, uh, had, had one of those kind of two, two road, two road type experiences where I felt like if I went to college here, it'd be pretty dark. Or if I went to, you know, um, one particular, uh, vision of my life, it would be like a bleak turnout and, and, you know, I just couldn't see it ever being fruitful. And then, you know, the other vision was like, you know, let me really, um, kind of lean into God and, and really what that part of life would be. Uh, even though I didn't really have a clear, um, vision of what I'd be doing. And, um, you know, it was in college where I really started to experience, even though I had a youth group community, but really started to experience and go deep in, in faith and, um, really started to feel like, um, a call to, and it wasn't in, I wasn't in ministry school per se. It was, you know, I was in a Christian college, but, uh, didn't really, um, experience a call to not just not a call to ministry, but just a call to living for him, you know? And, and that's when I really started to go deep in some things and, and, and spiritual things and started to live out my faith very openly when I came home among, you know, people where I was working, you know, for various jobs you'd have in the summer coming back from college and, and really saw God's uh, fruit in that um, develop. Yeah. Well, one question I got for you, John, would be, you know, some people are going to probably listen and go, wow, that's, that's great for him. But did Jesus really change anything in his life? Like practically speaking, what, you know, if you grew up in a house that believed in Jesus, like, and you know, you, came to this point in your life where you decided, oh yeah, I want to follow Jesus when I'm 12. Like, did he really change anything in your life? Did, was your life different because he was there? As you look back now, can you point to things and you go, my life is different because Jesus was there? When I look at some of the, yeah, that's a great question, John. You know, you look at life and, and you think, okay, where was, where was my faith at those periods of time? And so where was it authentically being lived? And, you know, uh, looking back, I do remember times, some of the deep, dark times, looking back from being more solid in my faith and seeing me respond differently uh, to some challenges in my family, even challenges because of my beliefs um, within my closest people um, in my family. Uh, those challenges were met by, you know, God's forgiveness on the inside, uh, pouring out into others' lives that I knew, you know, me forgiving them, you know, those kinds of things and really moving past, um, those dark, those darker times would just, with just the, the realization of what it means to be, uh, a child of God, what it means to be covered, what it means to have Jesus substituting his life and all of my sin being, you know, taken on him and me really, uh, given the righteousness of Christ, you know, just seeing that God is really covering me, uh, you know, you see that lived out. And so I see that lived out. So, yeah, 
Yeah, that's where I really recognize. And I don't know, you know, John, you, you bring up a good point. You know, I don't know if I, how I saw that or if I saw that exactly before the age of 12 or from those early teenage years. I, I remember as a five-year-old looking in my backyard, looking up, seeing God, reading a Christian uh, children's ministry type gospel book. I remember a moment like that. I remember wanting to tell my friends about Jesus as a five-year-old, but I don't, you know, know you know, in that world, what, what I really thought, you know, fully, but yeah, yeah. I think there's been some pivotal, pivotal moments where I've seen the gospel play out in my life and particularly in my early twenties. Well, let me just ask you this, um, you know, let's start personal. You know, I, I think I relate to your story that I don't necessarily see a moment, but I see a process. I'm sure others of our listeners, it might be a moment, it might be a process, it might be a crisis. But when you think about the challenges in sharing your faith, and some would say you're a professional faith talker, um, what what are those challenges? Listen, uh it's awkward every time, I guess, you know, the challenge of doing it is, uh, you, you, you know, getting up the moment to do it recently, uh, just in my own neighborhood, you know, we moved into a neighborhood two years ago and I'm, I'm having conversations and I'm thinking if you're going to tell this person about Jesus one day, you know, what's that going to look like? And, uh, realizing, okay, uh, I hope that they have some kind of relationship with me before that moment. You know, I hope that this is something that's been going to be, uh, flow but it is it is something that every time you know even if it's on a plane or a train with people you just meet for the first time or the particular people that you've been working with for a long time you know there's a little bit of a moment where you're like okay here it goes you know buckle in because who knows where this is going but you know for me that's that's the reality and i'm not really uh <laughs> I, 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 I'm believe me. I'm a I'm an introvert. I, I mean, I'm friendly enough, I suppose. I'm not a real like aggressor type personality at all. <laughs> um, and so, and so that's I think that's where you know I'm I'm being pushed out into the margins when I do it. I'm sure even ex- extroverts are as well. Yeah. So I think one of the common experiences as I talk with people is that you know, we get embarrassed. There's a, there's really a level of kind of embarrassment about talking about our, our faith journey and what that's been about. Um, I think some of that's sociological. We kind of, you know, our culture doesn't place a high value on that. Um, but what, Mm -hmm. is that something that you encounter as well? Even, you know, as you talk to people a lot, I mean, is, is, do you get embarrassed to talk about your faith? How would you describe that? If so, what does that look like for you? You know, um, bringing it up when you feel like people's opinions are going to be changed about you or you're going to be in this category. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, you know, the word embarrassed, you know, really makes you feel like or makes me feel like it's a response of, you know, I wish they didn't see that side mm. of me, <laughs> you know. And so when I when I think of those conversations, um, yeah, there's times when I feel like I'm guarding that, you know, and then I sort of have to question why am I guarding that? You know, I think of all the places where I go 
and um, how people really do care about the spiritual angle of things. And, you know, anyone else's spiritual beliefs can be worn on their sleeves, but, you know, just this particular incredible life change that's happened, we have to kind of steer around or kind of play down. And I do, John, think about how am I playing it Mm. down? Why am I playing it down? You know, and and there's times Mm. when I am for sure. Like I just played that off. Like it was, you know, something I do every day, brush your teeth. Uh, you know, something as life changing as it is. I mean, I'm trying to give you a real, real example, but just kind of, um, not bringing it up where clearly this would be an opportunity to talk about this particular thing in my life, yeah. you know, but kind of steering around it for a better time, mm. you know, why? <laughs> you know? So John, the question that I have based off of that is I think there's a struggle. Like if Jesus, I think Gandhi has brought this up. There's a number of people that say, if Jesus is really real, then I want to hear about it. I think, Penn and um, Tiller have kind of said the same thing, that if the gospel is true, and here is kind of the tension of all of this. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear my daughters talking in the background. We'll have some fun with that later, the coronavirus files. But the tension, the tension of that is when do I live out my faith versus when do I talk about my faith? And I guess I'd be curious on a personal, but then in your role, how do you kind of balance that tension of I'm going to continue to live out and be patient versus I'm going to come right out and say it. All right. So I'll go ahead and say this, you know, the, the, um, the Christian cop out of, you know, preach the gospel at all the times and when necessary use words, uh, the context of that, I'm not a, not a reader in uh, St. Francis of, of Assisi. I, I wish I would uh, get more into where that came from, but um, as I understand it, on the surface can be taken down a road that's really not true. <laughs> I'm sure the context wasn't meant what it what it's being passed off as. Uh, it is necessary to share the gospel <laughs> for people to know um, how will they know without a preacher, the scripture says. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of the turn in that phrase, you know, and when necessary, use words. Yeah. Yeah. Live it out and use words, you know, both and. So, um, yeah, I, I thought of it just last night, you know, um, my church is doing an alpha course. Uh, they've been doing it about three years. Actually, one of my uh, good friends in college, when I did a, I did a study um, abroad um, and uh, he was from New York and we were over in London and, and he, uh, was atheist. We went to a, uh, um, I went to, I went to a church there also all souls church. It was fantastic, you know, just historical and amazing evangelical church. And they were running something similar to alpha and my, uh, my roommate who I was there with atheist, uh, went to this Christianity, uh, exploring, uh, service. And, you know, from there I watched him go from atheist to praying at his bedside one day when I came back to my dorm, my flat. And, you know, my, my part in that was inviting, having conversations uh, day after day with him. You know, we had two other people in our flat. Uh, it was amazing. And, you know, we, we have something similar in our church right now that, you know, I wanted to invite my neighbors to. So as I was, 
I was thinking last night, okay, and it's online, of course, right? So, so I'm, I'm inviting, I'm, I'm giving my text to my wife that I'm going to share with my neighbor and she's looking it over and she's like, yeah, I don't know about this part. I don't know about this part. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right, honey. And I, I lost track of this question. What I'm answering here. It doesn't it. matter really. It's all good. So just keep on going. <laughs> but as I, I well, shared it, you know, go ahead, Pete. Yeah. Apologize. Well, I think you answered it well, because I, I think, you know, all of us here, and I'm thinking about the skeptics and even the atheists that are listening to it, like we're asking for people to be on one side or the other when it's a both and, and we all seem to run towards one direction. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm afraid to bring it up, I'm going to, I'm going to do the best I can to works and listen And that's like super important. Jesus did that. But then if I'm like all about the truth and I'm all about telling people like it is, then like, and I'm just a jerk, like that's not good. So I guess where I'd be curious is you've shared with me, I think of the students that you work with, how do they live out this tension and how have you seen that well? Because I think you just have some wonderful examples of what the gospel in real life looks like. Listen, I'm going to say this, and this isn't, uh, you know, let me just say this. I, I, this isn't something I'm doing every day. This isn't something I'm doing most of the time. And if I had to put an assign, uh, assign a, a percentage on it, I'd have to say 95% of the time I'm missing opportunities. Uh, and maybe that's a little heavy handed on myself, but that's how I feel. I mean, that's a reality. Um, and when I think of kids in their high school, you know, there was a missionary who came and spoke to, uh, you know, from a sensitive area of the world, comes and speak to like 2000 students in New York, in Syracuse a couple of years back. And he said, you know, my job is not the hardest job. Being being on mission for the gospel in my country is not. Being on mission is where is harder where you are. <laughs> and you can just hear a pin drop to these teenagers, you know, thinking, uh, yeah, my public school, when I raise my hand and say I'm a Christian, what a weird moment that is. And now I'm out, you know, and as a Christian, I'm out. And, uh, you know, with Peter, with the, the, the students I see, anything even small in that direction should be celebrated. And uh, we got to find those little wins that they're doing. And if it's bringing it up on a bus ride, we got to celebrate that because anything they're doing, and I think John, you'd agree, you know, as a director of crew, which I have so much respect for, you know, as you're doing this on your campus, what a different thing outside the walls of your church, mm. you know, it's different. Like you say, Hey, I'm setting up a, um, a, you know, a gospeling discipling group. And uh, we're going to invite your friend from school to it. And I, as the youth leader, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lead it. You know, that student who's in that group is a Christian think, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to bring my my friend to my youth pastor. He'll like my youth pastor. When they're creating their own community by starting conversations and trying to build the go- the gospel out working on their campus, uh, that that should be solved. So celebrate that. Um, what are the kids doing? I mean, the stories, you know, a girl in Buffalo just starts um, starts a club. Uh, we've got her up on our Instagram right now. It, I mean, I can tell you details for any story, but just, just you know, she's sharing about 
you know, something from Chip Ingram. I, I, what I'm blown away by, she found a Chip Ingram thing on, you know, and so she, here's an eighth grader talking about relationship and forgiveness and her principal finds out and then wants that student to take that forgiveness message and bring it to the whole school. Now this just happened this year. That's great. You know, just, um, you know, stepping out and, God uses those opportunities when we step out. I don't know if I'm answering fully there, but I think it's really about celebrating those small wins with students because any step in that direction is phenomenal. Mm. Oh man. Yeah. I so agree with what you're saying there, John. And I, I wonder if we could dream a little bit together here, uh, just in terms of reality, like what, what would it look like you say celebrating some of those small little errors, small successes. What would it look like to do this in a healthy way? To talk about our faith in a healthy way that that we would actually not be embarrassed of the process, but actually proud of the process. Hmm. Um, any ideas? Yeah, yeah I think. I think, you know, the Christian college world wants to help develop um, people who think Christianly about the world around them. You know, what is it like to think Christianly? Um, and uh, what is what are the um, kind of implications of what you believe? And, and, and so I think. I think um, helping students. I, I think helping students understand that there there's a whole worldview associated with what they believe. Um, and that there's, this is where there's tension in those points, but you can have those conversations. Now, I don't think that training our kids in apologetics is the end all be all for them to share the gospel, because I don't think that it gets into, let's start them, you know, answering every, uh, negative view they have, their friends have, or, or helping them work out of atheism. Now, I don't think they need to do that as they share the gospel, they just need to share the gospel. Um, but, but they need also be engaging of an understanding the context and the, you know, the mindset of the people around them. So just helping them understand, I think just worldview would be a good, um, frame maybe to ease some of the, uh, surprises they may encounter, um, and say, hey, this is what, you know, God has revolutionized your whole worldview mm. and look this is where they're at. So as you approach them, this is kind of some things they're thinking. So I think that could be helpful. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you this, just kind of going off of that. <clears throat> so I don't even think we need to bring up the specific issues, but let's just have some fun. Um, so Christians are intolerant. They're judgmental, you know, they're hypocritical. Um, how do you process over that? Because I think to our skeptics and atheists, if you're still listening to this podcast, that's like the biggest hindrance. And then I think for, I even struggle with this is I'm not perfect. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not batting a thousand, I can see areas where it just gets messy. So how do you handle and how do you navigate Christians are intolerant, judgmental, um, they're unforgiving, they're hypocritical, they shun people. You know, how do you process that personally? And how are you kind of seeing students 
process that? Cause that's a big hindrance to sharing faith. Yeah. Just starting, you know, with me, uh, I love working backwards from those stories that I used to think Christians were stories and then they come to faith. And I think that's just the experience. It's perception. You can't fight too much. I mean, you know, we want to blame a particular segment or mindset of Christians, brothers and sisters that have gone about the wrong way and think, ah, oh, that's why everyone thinks that. Actually, people just might think that because they don't understand our worldview at all. Uh, you know, uh, give me an example. I, um, and again, 95% of the time I'm not doing this, but the 5% of the time I have some stories. And one was in a restaurant last year is about this time. And uh, it was actually a dino barbecue. And uh, the best, the best. <laughs> again, 95% of the time, I'm not a dino barbecue, but yeah. when I am, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was a person there, and uh, uh, we had a table of guys and all believers, and it just seemed like um, it wasn't like, uh, you know, hold my beer, I'm going to evangelize somebody right now. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't even holding a beer. But, uh, <laughs> if you were, that would have been cooler, but as you were. But it just seemed like this moment, um, it really seemed like a real moment. And we were all talking with this waitress. But I want to tell you that that, that particular um, situation where it went, you know, where she she really felt like she it looked like she was sharing her heart and she was in tears. The next time I went back there, um, I got the sense like she was offended that that happened. Mm. And I, I went back and just kind of chatted, and, and uh, this 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 way this this person said, uh, "Yeah, I remember you last time taking advantage of my emotional day, or something like that." And I didn't I didn't even talk, I didn't even try to bring it up or anything like that. So I think you know the, there's um, there's a uh, there's a spiritual thing going on in people's lives, mm. right? And it's a spiritual battle that they're facing. And I don't claim to know any angle on it for anybody, right? So going in there and trying to leave, uh, this is Lawrence Singlehurst, um, try to leave people positive for their next Holy Spirit encounter, his definition of evangelism. So just try <laughs> to to bless them with something true and care for them and think of them as a person you know, not a target. And when it comes to students on their campus, the same goes for it. You know, uh, we're not there um, to kind of stand against the culture in a sense, you know, we're not there uh, as a, um, you know, um, a representative ambassador um, of what people should believe. We're there to love. And we're there to see where the gospel leads us to leave people positive to know Jesus and help them come closer to Christ and then share the gospel, just the plain gospel with them. Yeah, I think we just have to prepare our students, just like we as our, our adults, we have to steel ourselves to the reality that people are going to see us as some of the worst people uh, just because. Mm -hmm. And we can't, we can't do much about that other than just love them. Well, you're describing something, I think, that, that we in our society really hesitate to embrace. And that are there, that's there's some things that are deeply spiritual and almost mysterious because they're so deeply spiritual. Um, we just want to quantify everything. And, and, you know, we live in this, this age in which 
we just want to measure everything. And, and sometimes you just can't measure it. You know, you can't measure what's going on spiritually in somebody's life. And um, internally, I struggle with that. I struggle with that idea. You know, when I'm having a conversation, what's happening in this person's life? Like you were just, that was a great illustration. Cause in the moment you thought, well, this is fantastic. And then you go back and she's like, Oh my goodness, that was horrible. Um, what do you, can you speak to that a little bit more? The, the spiritual nature of, of talking about your faith, like, is it just this exchange of ideas or is it, does it go beyond the exchange of ideas into something that's beyond that? Yeah. And I think that's reductionistic to think here, here it is. I'm just laying out the truth, mm-hmm. right? Just putting it on the table and Hey, that's going to look better than what mm-hmm. they have. And so if it looks better, Hey, I'm going to pick it up and Hey, I'll run with it. Um, and if it were that case, uh, then we could literally define evangelism as, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. Let me tell you about Jesus, basically, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so we really need to think of the spiritual battle that's there. Uh, <laughs> think of something so hard to put your finger on, you know, you can't really, and, and I may, you know, you could just, you could think of it as just, just the whole, let me put it this way. You, are in these opportunities, but God is way more intricately involved in this situation than we give him credit mm-hmm. for. Uh, there's so many things that have brought this person into this path and this place. And um, how much, how much would God actually expect of someone who's human to be able to answer all these things? It's got to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean? Well, does that mean that you got to talk like you're up in the clouds or you got to be like, you know, prophetic at the mo- in the moment? <laughs> um, no, I think it's it's a matter of just uh, sharing the truth in the moment, um, being being clear about what God's done. You know, your testimony, wear it on your sleeve, you know, sh- you know. Talk about what God's done in your life if you, when you have that opportunity. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not uh, it's not something that is a transfer of information. It's 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 something spiritual that we have to recognize and, and do all we can in that moment. You know, I'm going back, John. We um, <clears throat> in episode, I think it was seven. We interviewed one of our friends, Sherwin Damdar, and his question is, "Why is Jesus the only way?" And Sherwin grew up Buddhist, and you know, it's funny. I think more often than not, I'm encountering people that are kind of like, you know, I like Jesus, I like Buddha, you know, I like bits of Hinduism. And, you know, I think my concern with that is, is, is not, it's not even about the truth. It's about not even entering into the conversation about fate. Like, it's kind of like, let me just kind of dismiss you. And I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, I feel like, so as we're taping this, the last dance with Jordan's on, I just feel older and older, like any LeBron Jordan conversation. I'm like, get off my lawn. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's right. Um, 
but I, I kind of feel like right now, even when we talk about faith, you could take this question as a Christian sharing their faith, but even like when you talk about faith and you like are good with everything that in some ways dismisses what you're saying you want to do. You want to explore faith. And I think kind of what you're saying on, on either side, there has to be some mutual openness. And the beauty of where we are right now is there's this huge openness to spirituality. And I don't think we need to see that as a bad thing. We just, you know, if you really want to process, let's process. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think just looking at today's, uh, uh, spiritual, uh, pla- you know, menu <laughs> that's out there. I think there's plenty of different options. I guess I'd ask what, you know, to you, Peter, do you think that, and this will help me clarify, you know, do you think that, um, because of the many options, it's easier? Are you asking me that, you know, is it, is it easier to talk about faith or does it feel like more free of a discussion? Is that what you mean? You're, you're such a good introvert. I love it. Look at you put the question back on me. I, I guess the way I'd see it, and I'd be curious about your opinion, is there's a challenge and there's an opportunity. Mm. So the, ch- the challenge is if everything's propped up as equal and it all leads to the same place, then, you know, is it kind of like playing tennis without a net? But the opportunity is like we actually can enter spiritual converse. Like when I tell people that I'm a pastor or I've heard of other people that have just said, I'm a follower of Jesus, there's more of an openness. And there's this kind of weird sweet spot Mm. of talking about Jesus without crossing the line. But there are times that, so I guess that's the way I would frame it, but that's a great question, John. Yeah. You know, the exclusivity of, of what we believe and, and how that, Christianity will will be uh, you know subservient to any other kind of belief system. The reality is, I mean, ultimately, there's one God. You know, there's one way to heaven with that God. Thank God that God is kind and and has covered our sins, but it is exclusive. Um, you know, from other paths, and I think that's. Uh, uh, again, that's been that's been the that, that that's go that goes back really far. You know, that's not new, but it certainly seems more. Uh, it certainly is more accepted uh, to kind of pick and choose and and put beliefs together from a couple different sources and kind of have your truth and your truth is something you've experienced that you've put your own platter together. It's customized. It's just what you prefer and and it's how you see the world through or what you how you see the whole world yeah uh you know coming back to something so pure as christianity uh that's that's again the spirit's work because of the face of our culture especially this culture it's way better to customize and choose what you you would like to have and uh, even cast out the things that you don't want to have and sort of pick and choose. And, you know, the, the moment Christianity seems to look like uh, anything sour toward the culture, um, you know, begin, beginning with abortion, going in through homosexuality, the beginning that, you know, that anything that comes back to bite, so to speak, you know, those things, uh, those are going to be challenged. 
eventually with Christianity. So yeah, it's a cha- it's a challenge. We need the spirit and we need uh we need to just go in knowing that we have something very unique, but the good news is uh that's just what what's needed because uh God is really um calling people to him and has done everything he's needed to do to do that and uh the rest the, the rest of uh the paths just ultimately can't get there. So, you know, we got to We've got that going for, going for us. I hate to say it like that, and that's probably the more arrogant part that is going to come off to the culture um, that we have the one, we have the one way, and so we have to understand how that's going to come off, right, in our conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that makes me think too, John, of the the people we have listening who, as Peter alluded to, you know, they aren't they aren't there yet. They're skeptical. They're they're maybe agnostic. They might be just curious about Christianity, and they're trying to figure this all out. And and so they stumble across, you know, an episode like this. And thankfully, they're still hanging in there. Thank you for hanging in there yeah. still. Um, but I, I have a question: like, how would this apply to their life? Like, just in terms of talking about their journey, their faith journey, how would this apply to them? It, is there a is there a place where this would intersect even if they aren't following Jesus that this would intersect with their life as well? Can you help me one more time with that yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. So, I'll... like, if someone is isn't following Jesus, right? This they haven't decided to make that step yet with their life, but they're curious about yeah. him. There just mm-hmm. isn't a cultural um acceptance of we talk about these kind of things we we naturally you know this isn't the conversation that most people get into so even for somebody who is skeptical let's say um they aren't even having a ton of conversations with people about their journey to begin with right like so does this does this apply to their life or is this just strictly a christian question that and I, I don't. I'm. I, I'm not trying to lead you there. I'm just. I'm wondering mm-hmm. this as we're talking. Yeah, I think somebody is. You know, you're right. The context, the, the table hasn't been necessarily set in in many areas of culture to talk about this very specific. Mm-hmm. I mean, the table's set to talk about the spiritual, uh, but it's not to the specific angle of what if. Mm-hmm. What if there's one God. And his son Jesus, and and the Word of God that is unchanging and goes back in this one story is really the narrative of everything. You know, what if? And you know, so so that challenge, um, we have to kind of get them in the door on that. I don't think that our culture would be opposed to it. Uh, you know, you look at stories. I mean, what if what if your favorite tale or story you know you know you think of uh lord of the rings or anything that's just like this is the the one narrative um what if that has reality what if that's grounded in reality and there's one you know you can come at it from maybe some cultural pieces or you know and and people would say well that's really i don't know why a god would do this or i don't know why a god would do that you know they're going to have objections so you work on them. I often think about, you know, situations where, you know, the one platform you could be at to debate anything would be sort of like, um, Bill, Ma- Bill Maharsh, 
Bill Maher. Yeah. Yeah. Or Facebook, whatever. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you know, just, just being able to envision yourself having those conversations. Yeah. And you think of Facebook and what, what does it look like when you just host ideas and have those conversations? So I think that's part of the challenge of evangelism is how can you create the context for those conversations in someone's life? Uh, and, um, I think, I think people are, apt to talk about those things and and talk about their background. We are in America. Chances are somebody has had a church experience somewhere along the way, some grandparent even, and then just kind of walking down that road and kind of say, what did they believe? And, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They believe that. Well, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's where we're at too. So try to draw, you know, it's all about sometimes just about drawing lines from their past to where you are uh, as a matter of just, getting to the truth as a plant. Yeah. Well, and I just want to affirm, um, if you're not a Christian and you've made it past this podcast, that reveals something about your maturity in this conversation. Cause the fact that you can listen to this, um, even if you're a nominal Christian, you know, Barna said, you know, I'm a millennial, um, millennials don't feel comfortable talking about their faith. I think all of us, we're all different generations here. We've illustrated that. So there's a level of maturity of being able to navigate the complicated that by just simply listening to this podcast, you're showing. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I want to kind of land us here. Um, you know, where we land every podcast is what does Jesus have to say about this? And, so what we'll do is this, is John, you'll start us. I'm going to give you that. Uh, John Amayo, I should say. And Johnny G, you're going to close us up. But, um, you know, when we think about this question, you know, <clears throat> why am I so scared to talk about faith? Why do I fear talking about faith? You know, I, I think about what Jesus has to say about it. Let's, let's just kind of go there. So, John, why don't you tee us off? Well, I mean, as I'm sitting here thinking about how this applies to my own life and thinking about just general principles I th- and, and what Jesus did teach about this. I think Jesus would say, we talk about things that we're excited about. Like, and if we don't want to talk about it, it might mean that we haven't really grasped it fully in our lives. Like he goes on to tell stories about there's this one section that he tells stories about all these lost things and people found them and and they were so excited. And that's his way of getting across how we talk about his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just think about one illustration in there, a lady who loses a coin. Mm-hmm. And she searches her whole house over to find this really precious coin. And when she finds it, she's so excited that she goes and tells all of her neighbors that she found it because it's so it's so amazing that she found it. And I think when we're really passionate about something, we can't help but talk about it. You know, so like Peter, you're you know, you you, you talk about the Jets, about the Sixers, about you know. Jordan and 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 the whole new new thing going on. You know, I'll talk about the Phillies and the Bills, and it, those things cut, roll naturally off of my tongue when I'm excited about them. And and so I think what Jesus is saying is, if you get it, if you really get it, 
you're going to want to tell other people because it's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like I'm doing this because I have to. It's I'm doing this because it's that amazing. I got to tell somebody about that. That's, I guess, where I'm landing with it. So, Peter? I appreciate that. I I just think that the passion and joy is flowing. Uh, where I want to go in this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, um, you know, there's there's a guy by the name of Paul that goes and hangs out with the Greeks. And I just want to set a little bit of context. So think Aristotle, think Plato, think, you know, Acropolis, like there he is, there's Paul. And Paul in the middle of talking to Greeks, he sees all these idols and like idols in Christianity are like repulsive. You're not supposed to have them. And here's Paul. And he points to this one idol because the idol has no name. And he just says, this idol that has no name is the God that you've been looking for. It's Jesus. And I think about the power of that story, the power of talking about faith and how Paul just engages. And first of all, I'd say to you, those of you that don't know Jesus, like I hope you find people that aren't scared of your difficult questions. And I hope that you grow to love to discuss Jesus, to get to know him for who he really is. Because I think just like those Greeks, that God that that we've been looking for and hoping for, I think it's Jesus. And then I'd say to you who are followers of Jesus with this question, what if the people in your life, especially now in crisis, were more prepared to hear about Jesus than ever before? How would that change that conversation? And I think to all of us, you know, what if we got more comfortable talking about faith? What if we got more comfortable about asking questions? Not saying we'd all land at the same places, but I see all throughout the Bible. I see Paul. I see Jesus. Jesus goes to people who we think would be the opposite of people that come to know him. And he said, there's something about these conversations that hold the meaning of life if we're not afraid to enter them. So, John, why don't you, uh, Johnny G, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, great stuff, guys. Uh, I think of, um, you know, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch who's reading from the most Jesus-saturated book in the Old Testament before you could, you know, see Jesus on the planet. You know, you see um, him played out in Isaiah uh, 53. And so as um, this Ethiopian eunuch's reading from it, from his chariot, and and uh, Philip is there at the right time, you know, you think about how much went into them, uh, that, that the eunuch, like, reading prior to the time that he encountered Philip. And I think of that in our culture, you know, as as you guys are talking about, you know, the lost coin and how, how valuable that is, as John was saying. And then, you know, Peter, as you're saying, you know, um, this, 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 the unknown God and, and how you say, Hey, here's this one you, you are to worship, um, how that kind of fills in the blank for people. But, but also realizing that, you know, you have a part to play and you may be, you know, some, some water, some plants, some reap, but everybody's playing a part and they're taking that step and they're saying, here it, here it is. Uh, here's this opportunity 
um, here's this person, Jesus. Uh, it might not come through um, the same way those six or seven times, but at some point uh, they're going to confront that and say yes or no, you know, and, and the spirit really is there to uh, lead all those situations. Think about how many, the complexity of the spirit's work in all those opportunities and situations in so many people's lives. And we do believe the spirit is alive. And, and, and for someone here today who's, who's, who's saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, something John said kind of bugged me. John G. Something John G. said kind of was annoying. Something John G. said kind of made sense. And I'm going to say, yeah, you know, yeah, because I'm not a perfect vessel, one. Number two, um, the claims of Christ are pretty intense. Claims of Christianity are more intense than you think. And so explore it. If you really want to uh, discount it before you discount it, and I've heard of the people who have read the whole Bible and say, I read the Bible and I saw a bunch of wars in there and a bunch of stuff I didn't like. Okay, ask yourself the question, what is God saying and what is the whole picture? Because the whole picture is God trying to redeem humanity and he had to use some really precarious, terrible situations to one day arrive where Jesus would be the fitting answer to all that problem. And then even when Jesus are, is here, um, we're there but not yet there because there's so much more that he has to work out of humanity and and almost purify his church through this time and help them see who he is and help them love him wholly. So and fully. So, you know, we're on this big picture journey that makes a whole lot of sense. And I think from all of our perspective, we can really see clearly. We don't see perfectly. We don't see the whole picture because we're human, but we can see how this can make sense. And I think you could look at Christianity as a as a more than a well set put together bunch of rules to live your life by. That's not what it is at all. We see Christianity as um, God redeeming humanity and inviting us into that rather than being kind of outside of that picture. Um, we can be in his heart and in his plan, um, for the good of humanity. And, uh, not only that part of his church and his family forever. So really, really would urge you to, um, explore and ask the questions and don't discount something because of something I said today or, something anyone's ever said to you, but to really trust that um, God's given you, or at least you've got the mind that can work through some of these things. John, thank you so much for coming to the Why God Why podcast. We um, follow John on Instagram. Um, I think he's on Twitter and Facebook also. Um, also, uh, you are, there we go, I love it. Uh, New, New York Youth Alive. Uh, you can find us at hashtag WGW podcast. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Leave us a review on the podcast app that helps people find us and make sure you follow John. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm.